I'm Rachel Foley with Ari Meglin, and we're your hosts for the Mary Writer Podcast. We're on episode 84, and this week's question is, how do you approach world building? But before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy this episode, please do give it a like. Now, please help us welcome writer Tobias Salem to the show. Tobias, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, it's really good to have you with us. Um, did you want to tell us a little bit about your writing background, like how long you've been writing for and such? Sure. Um, I've basically been writing kind of all my life. Um, as a kid, I wrote little stories about like my favorite cartoon characters, mostly the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, that kind of kept on through my childhood. Um, as a teenager, I wrote a lot of song lyrics, kind of inspired by the uh, corn and things like that. Um, and also like fan fiction scripts based off of the Scream and Blair Witch Project uh, films. Um, kind of got kind of toyed with the idea of being a screenwriter uh, for some time, but then that kind of died. Um, then in college, I wrote obviously a lot of essays, term papers, things like that. Um, then I took a creative writing course and that kind of broadened my horizons as far as doing microfiction, poetry, found fiction, and a lot of other styles, I guess I'd say. Um, but then when it really took off, I'd say uh, my wife and I were obsessed with Maggie Stiefvater's uh, The Raven Cycle books. And uh, we went to Charleston, South Carolina to Yallfest to meet her and hear her speak. Um, Yallfest is kind of a young adult celebration of, of young adult books and authors. And it was there that I was really kind of inspired um, hearing these authors talk about their creative process and how they approach uh, fiction writing um, was really eye-opening, kind of mind-blowing. Um, then I also fell in love with the town of Charleston and walking through a historic cemetery, that's when I got my first spark of an idea that came to me and that would become the Arcane Lore Book One symbolic. Um, I wrote the first draft in about five months and writing has kind of been my passion ever since. Wow, that's great. And also, I'm happy to have a fellow Ninja Turtles fan, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's... Michelangelo all the way. Yeah, well, I'm Donatello. <laughs> oh, hey, respect. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, that's how I started writing Ninja Turtle fan fiction. And it's it's funny. I wanted to be a scriptwriter at one point as well, but mostly because I thought it would be easier than writing novels because it's like less writing in a way. <laughs> so that didn't <laughs> last long thing. at all. <laughs> I have to say, I like the fact you've tried so many different things. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. just you went straight into novel writing. You tried script writing. You've done poetry and flash fiction and everything. It's like, I always find that's a really good thing to kind of get into everything, kind of try it all out and then find your voice depending on what you want to do. And I mean, obviously, you might end up deciding you go back to script writing as well or turn one of your books into a script. Mm -hmm. It kind of gives you an idea, but I always like that when you find people do lots of different things, try everything. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Dip your toes in this thing and that thing and see what really feels feels best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because I think as writers, we kind of need to try out all these different things so that we can find our niche as a writer. And honestly, that's probably another podcast episode in itself is like trying all these different, like different ways of writing and stuff. But we're talking about world building this week. So I'm going to dive right into the topic and ask you, Tobias, how much world building do you usually do before you start writing? 
Um, I actually do quite a bit of uh, pre-writing uh, research, I call it. Um, I spend a lot of time in libraries checking out books pertaining to plots, locations, um, et cetera. Um, for symbolic, I checked out probably 20 or so books about symbols, um, plus consulted the several I own because I am a symbol nerd. Um, looking for the symbol that would kind of be pivotal and set those events into motion. Um, then for my current project, Clawthorn, uh, which is set in colonial America circa 1692, I think I've settled on. Um, I had read up about the culture back then, you know, what food do they eat? Um, how were homes and villages arranged? Uh, what does a daily routine look for or look like back then? Um, I love to ground magical things in the everyday kind of mundane. Um, so details are very important to me. Even, even like the speech patterns um, and word choices are important when it's historical fiction, because I can't exactly have a 16 year old back then saying yeet. That would kind of pull the reader right out of it. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of pre-work world building and I really think most fiction has a kernel of truth to it. Um, so that's kind of my, approach i like that that's quite a lot of detail thinking even like to the point of like simple daily routines or or like word usage because i have read books where it's been not not historical fancy but like you can tell it's it's a little bit it's not it's not very modern and they've put words in and it's so jarring you just fall right back out of the store and you're like whoa oh no that doesn't work exactly exactly i want to avoid that at all costs (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I feel like world building is such an extensive task and it's always been something I've wanted to try to do, but I think the way you worded it and how you said you do research and stuff and you look up, you know, the different time periods, things like that. It's so much more in depth than you would originally think because you have the world building that you create from scratch yourself and you've got to think of all these different things and you need to, you can just like make it up as you go along, or you can base it off of true things, but you can fudge it a little bit. And then there's also, if you're basing it off of like, like history, like you said, there's like a ton of research involved that you can probably still fudge the little details, but for the most part, you're trying to make it as accurate as you can. Enough realism that people can kind of, it's like, obviously, depending on what sort of thing comes in, you can you know, create a magic, magical system. So it's already, it's already out there enough, but having that kind of more realistic things brought in, it really pulls readers in. I love things oh, like yeah. that. Really, you know, when yeah. you've got how things work, even with magical things, if it's, as you said, like, you know, connected to the mundane, it makes more sense and it makes it more believable than being sort of thrown into a world where it's so out there, which is good, sometimes it's good. But it's mm-hmm. so out there that you it takes a bit longer to really connect to characters, to really feel the world, because you're having to like picture it all in your head. And it's if it's if it's too out there, you know, where you, you've got you have got buildings, you've got little orbs floating, and you know, there's no animals, it's all wisp. It's so different that you can't connect as well. Whereas if at least you've got like a basis in reality, it kind of helps. Mm-hmm. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I agree. That's that's definitely kind of my approach is taking the real world um, and then kind of overlaying the, the magical on top of it. And yeah. like for Clawthorn, the, the magic system, I also had to research like actual true paganism and Wiccan beliefs because I want to ground it in true earth-based religion, true magic. Um, of course, 
upping it because it's it's fiction and it you I do want to have you know flashes and, and bright lights and everything and the traditional what you think of as magic um but i kind of want to like you said have that base level of kind of grounding it in in reality yeah yeah see i like that i, I like that um because i'm actually a pagan so that makes more sense to me and i would love reading things like that because i love seeing it going, oh, yes yes that's nice. all right it's how it makes nice. noise. That's interesting you say that because actually in doing that research, I realized I myself also am a pagan. I didn't think that would be the case, but, um, you know, it's, I don't know, this isn't about religion, but um, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was legit just going to say exactly what you said about how the readers will be able to relate to the world and the characters and all that. But you articulated it so much better, so I concur. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we'll move on. Um, okay, next question. How deep into world building do you go in regards to world history? I mean, you know, you can go into like government systems, economies, you know, um, civil wars, anything like that. I mean, do you go really deep in or is it like surface level? Um, I didn't go that deep for, uh, for symbolic, um, but I had to delve pretty deep into uh, government, especially religion. Uh, for Clawthorn. Um, my MC, Benny, uh, was taken in by a vicar and his wife, and those two happened to be leading the charge against uh, witchery in their town, which is called Clawthorn, um, where I diverged from actual historical uh, witch trials, which this takes place during the Salem witch trials, but my pseudonym being Tobias Salem, I didn't want to use Salem, that'd be a little too on the nose, um, so I used a fictitious town. Um, but where it diverged is um, it, during the witch trials of Salem, um, no one was burned at the stake. They were all hanged. I think something like 20, mostly women were accused of witchcraft and, and ultimately executed by hanging. Um, I'm using burning, which was historically only used during the European witch hunts. Um, why the mental image of a witch burning at the stake is so much more compelling than hanging. So. That's where I kind of fudged history on that. Um, but yeah, so I had to know, you know, what were the religious beliefs of the early American settlers? Uh, why would they be so terrified of, of witchcraft and so quick to label it the work of the devil or evil or whatever you want to say? Um, as far as world building in symbolic, that's set in current real world Charleston. Um, so I didn't use real locations. Um, some of them are actually quite integral to the plot. Um, but as the creator of that world, um, I, I took certain liberties with making real places fit into the story in such a way that it serves the plot how I need them to. Um, so like there's a library where there's like this, this room, uh, basically a restricted section, had to borrow that from Harry Potter. Um, not, the library exists, you can walk into it, but it does not have that room but that serves my story. So how to do that. I think that's so cool how you're able to look up all these different real world things and be like, you know what, this doesn't necessarily fit what I want to do for my story. So I'm just gonna like add my own twist to it. Cause that's kind of the whole point of world building, isn't it? It's that you're building your own world and it, and you have that base as Ari said 
to, you know, draw the readers in and show them that this can be a reality, but then you just totally make it your own. And that's what makes the readers stay because it's so different yet. It's so familiar. That's my hope. <laughs> well, that's kind of like, it's very, it's very urban fantasy, isn't it? Where it's like, it, it blends the fantasy modern and, and reality so you can do that kind of like you know you can you can put a, you could put a, a real town or a real city and then kind of drop in extra things and I have to admit I love reading that sort of stuff most of the books on my shelf are, are like urban fantasy like that so mm -hmm. and even if you don't know the area because I mean I, I read a lot of stuff that is based in America and obviously I've only been to one place in America and <laughs> nothing nothing's ever set in Florida so <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I can understand why. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who's yes. listening who's from Florida. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but it's interesting because especially if you find out, oh, there really is a library there, or there really is this place here, it kind of it, you can end up going down the whole rabbit hole of looking up those places after you've read the book. And you can also do interesting marketing by using those real places. So it's it's yeah, kind of that's a kind of a I need to do that more. I really need to do that more. Mm -hmm. I need to, need to think like that. Yeah, Arya, it's been interesting because uh, symbolic, I, I would classify as urban fantasy because it is set and using a lot of places from Charleston. Um, but yeah, I actually ended up taking out a few of the specific road names and everything, but I'm such a book nerd that if I, like if the Raven Cycle by Megan Sivari, if that were set in a real town, me and my wife would absolutely go there and retrace the character's steps and do what they do. Um, and I kind of like, I love where people can delve right into and be a part of, of the fictional world overlaid on the real world. So I, I had a lot of those details, ended up editing them out over time. Um, there's still enough to where people can be like, oh, we're here just like they were. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely urban fantasy based. And I, I love that. Again, magical on top of the real, that's good. As someone who has tried to do world building and failed miserably at it, you guys are making me want to try it again. But hearing the two of you go back and forth about like the real world connections and like just all the research that goes into it and stuff, which don't get me wrong, I love doing research. I'm like, this is so overwhelming. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask a quick follow up question. How do you how do you not get overwhelmed by all your research? And like, how do you know when to stop? That's a good question. Um, it is easy to fall down uh, research black holes. Uh, I think probably all of us as writers are too familiar with uh, procrastination problem. Like, oh, I need to research. So let me fall down this black hole or I need to get the, good, the right soundtrack to, to write to. And then you fall down a YouTube black hole for hours and you're like, oh, damn, I got to go to sleep. No time for writing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a fine line. And I unfortunately don't honestly know I'm probably guilty of over researching uh, some things um, but the because of the world building that I do it's not all fiction and has off to anyone who can do that I don't feel that's in my wheelhouse at least yet in my writing career uh, maybe sometime I, I would like to do that and it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say uh, I don't know, that's not really an answer I'm sorry <laughs> No, no, that's totally fine. I don't think there really is an answer, to be honest. I think it would probably depend on the project and it also depends on the writer. Because you said you usually do your research before you begin, right? Yes. 
yeah so I'm sure like like have you ever stopped in the middle of writing and you were like oh I need to look this thing up too and then you end up doing the research like here and there oh all the time yeah. as much pre-planning as I do um like on like on the symbolic um I'll be writing and I'll be like wait a second where is this location in relation to this other location in Charleston? Can they walk there? Would that be feasible or would they have to get in a car and go? Um, so I definitely, definitely will stop in the middle of writing a scene or a chapter and have to almost kind of check myself, confirm, is that the right way to do it? I don't know. Um, maybe I could just write the chapter, finish it and then go back and confirm it. But I'm more of the immediate, I wanna know now, so I need to check this out while I'm in the process of writing this scene. Others may not be able to do that. They may, may be kind of taken out of the, the jive of, of writing. But I don't know, for, for me, it's, it's fairly easy to take a step back, confirm this fact or research this really quick, then dive right back in. I have to say, because I write both urban fantasy and full fantasy, and... <laughs> I think with urban fantasy, what helps is because it's in a mostly in a real place, you can choose how much you want to add fantasy wise. So you do your research on the area, but you don't you can say, right, well, certain buildings, I'm not going to look for all of these. I'm just going to add in this nightclub here. I'm going to add in this restaurant. I'm going to add in this. Um, but you've already got things that are already, obviously you've already got like currency that's set up. You've already got governance unless you want to change it. I've seen things where they've actually changed how the government works and everything. So you can decide how much you want to give of doing research versus creating completely. And strangely enough, because I do full fantasy and I do full on world building, that's actually easier. Really? Because what I do is I would um, create a world book and I would just spend days and days building up information, like a reference. That's how I would do it. Whereas if you're, if you're overlapping on something real, you've got to do more research rather than just create. So you're constantly going, oh, wait, what was that over there? Do they have trams? Do they have mayors? You know, it's like you're bouncing back and forward where if it's your own world, doesn't matter. You want a mayor? You don't want a mayor. You want trams? You don't want trams. Doesn't matter. Just put in anything you want. So the only thing is it's trying to keep stay consistent. Whereas obviously if it's overlaid, you've got some of it is automatically consistent. If you know those areas or you've done enough research, you know, you know, the, the sort of areas and the sort of people who would live in those areas, you know, the sort of school systems, the sort of governance and things like that. It kind of works. So yeah, I think I think the overwhelm can come if you if you try and do all the world building before you start writing, starting it is brilliant, but you you definitely need to do it throughout as well. Like, as you said, you'd find things out and go, oh, I better stop and check. I've known writers who've just tried to do all the world building, like every single piece right at the beginning before they even start writing. That's overwhelming. Could not imagine that at all. Would not do that. <laughs> definitely. And honestly, I can, I can relate to that because I've been working on Clawthorn for quite some time. Um, prior to the pandemic happening, um, I kind of reached part where I'd done so much world building or preparation um, that I got too bogged down in the details. And so every little thing I was questioning, it's like, wait, wait, is this historically accurate? Is this historically accurate? Would she say that? Would there be this? And 
that that kills the creativity. So there's definitely a line. Mm. Um, and then unfortunately the, the pandemic happened and I kind of wrote basically nothing for the bulk of last year. Um, finally just now getting back into it and uh, kind of took a step back and, and re reorganized what I had done so far as far as the, because I'm an outliner. Um, and so I had this thorough outline with notes and research and book passages and things like that um, for accuracy, but it became too much. So I had to recalibrate and dive back into it. And I gotta say this time is much, much easier. I still care about historical accuracy to a degree, um, but I think it's having that knowledge base of what that world was like then, then you go forward and you don't necessarily have to constantly question yourself, but you have kind of a baseline knowledge of, okay, this is how this society worked. This is what would have happened. This thing wouldn't probably have happened. And then you kind of go forward with that. So I definitely, definitely can see how building an entirely fictional world building would be probably easier. Now questioning my decisions. Not really, but kind of. <laughs> I feel like that would be me, though. I would be that person because I'm an outliner, too. I would be that person that needs to build my entire world before I start writing. And then as I started writing, I realized I forgot this one little piece of information. And then I would have to, like, do it all over again. Because otherwise, I feel like I would just create a ton of plot holes for myself. And I know that plot holes are inevitable, no matter the genre, no matter whatever you're doing. But I feel like if you don't, I don't know, I know you can do research and stuff in the middle of writing. And like my sister, for example, if she needs to know something in the middle of her writing, she will just in brackets write, you know, figure this thing out here and she'll bold it and she'll leave it and continue writing. I can't do that. That would drive me nuts. I have to like have ev all my ducks in a row. Everything's got to like go and be normal like Ari writes in scenes can't do that that's like I don't know how. so like if I tried world building and I was trying to like do all this research and stuff I I what I'm learning from this episode so far is that I would make things extremely difficult for myself while the two of Ari's nodding her head yeah exactly <laughs> um you mentioned your sister doing the brackets. Um, that's totally me too. Um, so let me backtrack. Even though I said, yeah, I'll stop in the middle of writing. Um, if I'm in a good scene and there's, it's, I really feel the flow, then I will do that bracket. Like research this or come back to this. Bold, big, black, bold letters. And then I just keep going. Because if, especially if it's something not vitally important to that scene or to the emotion I'm trying to to bring out um, especially emotional scenes if, if it's a really if it's more important to build the character in that part than the world that's when I think I'm more likely to just put the brackets and the, okay I'll, I'll find I'll figure that out later push forward so I it's somewhere in between I guess for me there's definitely a fine line between becoming too bogged down to the point of where I couldn't even really get past, I think, four chapters of Gotham last year. And then 
yeah, it's, it's such a fine line. It, it is. And see, I can't do the brackets. I will make a note to myself on a, on a, like a sticky note or something, but then I will keep writing and it will all be filler. This is why my cozy mystery novel is over 150,000 words where it should not be that much. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, I, I do do the brackets thing. I do brackets and I do footnotes. If it's something like I'm writing a scene and I'm like, shit, should the sun be this low in the sky at this, at this season? I'll put an asterisk and drop to the bottom of the scene because it's only a scene, not loads of pages of chapters. And I'll just put notes on saying, check sun or, you know, what's this guy's eye colour green? I can't remember. Check that. If it's something bigger, then I'll put brackets in and I'll highlight them red. And that can be anything. That can be research or that can literally be, I cannot be bothered to describe this room right now. I am in the zone with dialogue. So just describe the room and then I head off and I go back. I, I couldn't imagine like, just like, nope, no, I've got to carry on. That's, oh my God, my head would explode doing that. Rachel, how are you doing this? Um, I have no answer for that, actually. I'm just, what you see is what you get. So, you know, with that in mind, I'm just going to go ahead into our final question. So Tobias, for people who make world building absolutely difficult for themselves, what advice do you have writers beginning their world building process? Uh, it's a great question. Um, I'd offer this advice. Um, again, I don't know if my approach is best, if it's the worst, um, but it works for me. Um, I'm a plotter, again, up to a point. Um, so I do a lot of pre-research, uh, pre-world building, and then I outline. But there reaches a point in my outlining where the itch to write the thing just becomes too much. I'm like, okay, screw this. I need to write this down because I'm fired up. I'm engaged. I'm really feeling it. So I just push forward on it. Um, but yeah. I would definitely recommend anyone that does plot, plotter versus pantser, um, that they would do some research, um, especially for something like high fantasy where every element of the details of the society, it's just gonna help enrich your story and pull people into it more. I mean, it's, it's a two-pronged approach. It's the, it's the world building, but it's also the characters. So if you have just one element, then who knows how successful that's going to be. Um, but if you can get both compelling characters, compelling world building, then you have re readers hooked and they're, they're with you, they're rooting for you. Uh, I'd tell them also to not be afraid to take those kind of creative liberties and creative license um, so that you, you have to make sure you can change things if you are grounding it in the real world, like, like myself and like urban fantasy. Um, you, you can do that. It's it's okay. And you might get people say, hey, this library doesn't have that room. It's like, okay, well, no, it doesn't, but I needed that room. So I wrote that room and it now exists in this world. Maybe it doesn't exist in the real world, but in this book world, it exists. I guess I'd also say that things when you're world building have to make sense. You can't just have a place where suddenly the laws of physics don't exist, where Elsewhere in the book, they did. Um, or you can, but it has to make sense. There has to be a reason. 
Um, so you have to think about what do I want to do with this story, with these characters, and how do I then build the world around that event, that plot, that character. It's kind of it's kind of like a like a Tetris. You have to fit this piece into this piece, this piece into this piece, but it's all on the board, and that's the world building. I really like that last piece of advice especially is that how everything needs to make sense and there needs to be a reason for it because you can do whatever you want in fantasy or in fiction in general but that's an excellent point there does need to be a reason for anything for everything otherwise it's just not going to make sense and it's only going to confuse the readers in the long run that's the last thing we want to do absolutely that's it. Readers are usually so quick to go, well, I don't understand why this is now happening when it didn't happen in the beginning. And that's the bit they'll, they'll focus on. And that's the bit they'll end up in the review. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you want. But actually, you said when you said about the, the library and the room, on to, uh, uh, the, the hidden room and everything, and how that's not real. There is, there was a, I've not, I've not heard it for a long time. It's showing my age now. But I remember... <laughs> the term was alternative histories books. And it was technically as if the, the world went along and then it diverged and that's why you could have the magical things, you'd have extra rooms. But yeah, it's funny, I never hear that anymore. I never hear, it used to be almost like a genre in itself, alternative histories, where it would follow partly along and then something would happen. You know, it could be like, you know, there was a zombie attack and now this is how the world is, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, so it, uh, it does have that allowance of, of, of changing what is real, I feel like. I think overall... Uh, world building can really open up a whole lot of opportunities for writers and readers alike. And I think no matter what genre you're writing in, you know, as long as it's fiction, I think there's a little bit of world building in every type of project. And I think the writers can have fun with it and just really hone their creativity and make it their own. And I think it's just such a, such a cool element to include in any writing whatsoever even though I apparently do it wrong there's no right or wrong way (laughs) right okay so I make it difficult for myself that's (laughs) that's fair (laughs) honestly when this podcast was was offered to me I jumped the opportunity that I was like this world building and I I that uh imposter syndrome kicked my ass like immediately I was like wait you don't roll build, you talk about Charleston and it exists. How easy is that? But then I realized it's like, my wife actually was like, honey, you world build whatever you write because you make it fit your, you, what you want to do. And so I was like, okay, okay. So then I took a step back and I was like, okay, well, yeah, okay. So I did. And especially with, with Clawthorne and I, I am building this world because what exists is how society was in uh, colonial times but the world building really is going to take place with how I treat the, the witches covens that mostly live in the woods and things like that. So that's when the, I think my, the creativity aspect of it really comes into play. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a little intimidating, honestly. Um, but I just want to say thank you both for, for offering this to me and it's, it's been really fun. Oh, seriously, it was, such a pleasure to have you on the show with us. And I, I actually like what you said, imposter syndrome absolutely sucks, but we all go through it. And I think world building, it's not just about building 
a world, it's really about showing your creativity and that's exactly what you do. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, in fact, I think too many writers hear the word world building and think, oh, Tolkien, you know, a huge amount of, yeah. of orcs and, and weird things, and dragons. And it's like, no, it isn't. It, it can be with urban fantasy, even with a bit of reality. It's still world building. You're still having to think, how is this magical system going to fit in here? How is this system of governance going to fit in? How, is, how are societal norms going to fit in in this reality? So it is all world building. And that's why I think this has been a really good episode, because there'll be people listening to this going, oh, I didn't know I did world building because I do that and it's like yeah you do so so yeah okay that's me now <laughs> See, we're all here to help each other out <laughs> indeed <laughs> so with that said Tobias it was really awesome to have you on the show did you want to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners um sure uh I uh I'm horrible at this but uh I live in Winston-Salem North Carolina now I was in Asheville um but uh, I have a regular boring uh, day job during the week and uh, writing is, I guess, no less a part of me than my hands. It's, even though I don't feel like I was very much involved with writing during the last year, um, the pandemic kind of had my anxiety spiraling out of control, um, but you know, self-care comes first. And I think a lot of creative people are prone to anxiety, depression. And I guess I just want to take the opportunity to say you're not alone if you're experiencing that, especially now with the state of the world. And uh, I would urge anyone to you know, talk to someone, uh, you know, it's medication. Um, I had uh, I'd done the, the guest uh, article on Ari's blog about writing for depression. So I'm unfortunately something of an expert at that. Um, on, but you know, it's, a lot of people are, and uh, it's it's been a rough time for, I don't want to say just the creative people, but I think fiction writers, songwriters, whatever it is, people that create tend to absorb the world a little more than maybe someone who, who doesn't tend toward creativity. And so when something's out of balance, I think that impacts us more. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a rough, rough time. Um, but, uh, but anyways, long story short, um, I just wanted to, uh, I've so far been unsuccessful at getting my work published, but uh, nevertheless, I urge forward and the path to publication is paved with rejections. So I'm not quitting, even though I wasn't much in the loop last year, I'm still here and I'm still writing and publication is my ultimate goal. You're doing it and that's all that matters. Keep going. Good for you. <laughs> Can't not. Um, so all of Tobias's links and bio will be in the description below. So be sure to check them out and give them some love. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. So now we're going to turn it over to you guys. Do you world build in your novels? If so, we'd love to chat about it. So tell us your answers in the comments or on Twitter using the hashtag the Mary Writer podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to get some bonus extra content, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Mary Writer podcast. You can support our show for as little as $1 a month and get some cool extra content. And be sure to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. 
This podcast is brought to you by Stuffed Bookshelves. Our TBR piles are huge. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.